Good morning, and welcome back to the Patreon. Um, this is uh, the Patreon-exclusive podcast, uh, Fossbinder and His Friends. I am B. Peterson, I am your host, and with me to co-host this Rainer Werner Fossbinder podcast is... Harold Ortega, back for another one. Back at yep. it again in Germany. Mm-hmm. Yes, in in the 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 violent uh, uh frigid world of 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 german german queers i don't know <laughs> <laughs> back at it again in post war germany what's up uh all right so this is when when i was starting this project and like thinking of like f- different filmmakers to do my criteria was initially um i wanted to them to be filmmakers who people when people talked about it, i was like oh yeah that filmmaker that's a good one that's one of the the all-timers but no one ever mentioned off the top of their head um i wanted them to be filmmakers um with large bodies of work um who were who had a lot of films and when people talked about them they only talked about maybe two or three of their biggest of their biggest hits and basically the idea was that if you were fans of these people you had seen those three and maybe a couple others but you had gotten the gist from there and the idea with these podcasts was that we'd be going through everything to give as much attention to these filmmakers as you would the 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 big filmmakers that everyone talked about where oh you haven't seen the silent version of the man who knew too much then you aren't really a hitchcock fan kind of thing um and there is perhaps no better filmmaker to to talk about when it comes to underseen prolific filmmakers than Rainer Werner Fassbinder. Prolific being the key word here, because even mm-hmm. even now, his stuff is being unearthed. Right. Yeah. And as because as of as of today, as of how, what we know, as of in January twenty twenty, um, he has. In a span of 18 years, 18 years, Rainer Werner Fassbinder wrote and directed 24 plays, two television series, and 40 feature films. (laughs) Cocaine is a hell of a drug. Until he died at age 37. That is ridiculous. That's three and a half plus projects a year. Tell me about it. Well, why don't you tell me about it? (laughs) (laughs) Well, like I said, uh, cocaine is a hell of a drug. Um, Fassbender, I I don't know. I don't know what he was, you know. I I, I think it's easy to romanticize it and be like, he knew he was a ticking time bomb. And that just fueled the fire in him to, like, keep making stuff. Um, It also helped that he had such a, a... cast of close collaborators right so he always most of which he was romantically involved with right that's a that's a whole other conversation but just from a raw kind of production perspective uh managed to get the funding i always had the cast available to him um and you know wasn't making like huge genre movies that required practical effects or uh you know wasn't making sci-fi epics or big action movies. Uh, So that kind of worked, the sort of stripped down nature of his films works in his favor. Um, And this was also, you know, a time 
where Germany was trying to sort of boost its sort of art, art artistic production. Um, you know, he was born after the war, grew up watching a lot of classical Hollywood movies. Uh, no doubt, um, Germany wanted to put its filmmakers on the map uh, after this. 1969 is is where we're starting. Yes, we're starting today with his first with his first feature, "Love Is Colder Than Death," um, which is a crime film about um, uh, two gangsters and their and their lover and the various um, plots and schemes that they that they come up with and execute to varying degrees of success. Right, it was adapted from a play. Mm-hmm. Um, Fassbender, like I mentioned earlier in the but in the episode, and much like literally just now, <laughs> and yeah. uh, like I mentioned just now, all those and, seconds ago, and much like Orson Welles, um, you know, had a had a regular cast of players, and um, here we see, uh, well, one person who would become regular uh Fassbender collaborator Hanna Schuglia I can't I'm I'm awful with the German names I don't know German um, either so we're going to suck at this podcast <laughs> Yeah but sh- she plays Johanna um right and she is in a lot of movies after this uh but it, the the play is sort of an important place to start because so much of it feels like it was just ripped from the stage Right. That's that's the thing that most immediately stood out to me watching this movie because I'm going into this I'm I I I know of many of Fassbender's films. I've never actually se- seen any of them. And so this I'm using this podcast as I'm using a lot of these podcasts that I'm doing to educate myself about new filmmakers and new new cinema. And the most immediately apparent thing to me was that this is theatrically staged. Um in terms of cinematography, coverage isn't really a thing with Fassbinder yet. Um, I I counted. We have to wait half an hour until we get a scene with more than three angles of coverage. Um, it is the cine- It is bare bones. This movie, um, and I think that it works to great effect. It feels very, very immediate, very real. Um, and and particularly in the opening bits of this movie, we're just in a white room, like where it's where the uh, Peter and Bruno, the the two gangsters, one of which doesn't want to work for the for the gang, and one of which is coming in to learn um, to become a part of it. That's Bruno, and Peter is like, no, no thanks, um, and they're just in a white room, and <laughs> and immediately there is um, lots of sexual tension. Um, apparent between like the gang boss and his his crony who's shirtless with suspenders, and is it it's the, a gun? It's a gun holster. Uh, yeah, yeah, you're right. It's a gun holster, and like the gang leader is just putting his his hand resting it on his knee and and rubbing it a little bit, and yeah, um, yeah. No, it was very apparent from the beginning that this was this this came from a play. Yeah. Um and despite, you know, the realism that the stripped down sets and the lack of like glamour that is present in this film, I feel like the really static sort of low-ish kind of, you know, shots that make the film look like a play 
uh, also sort of imbue it with this like detachment, this like cool mm. detachment. Um, and obviously, Fassbender's drawing a lot from the new wave, specifically Godard. He's doing yes. Breathless. Breathless is all over this movie. Breathless and uh, ba- uh, Band Apart. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the sort of threesome angle of it. Um, right. But it's it's definitely Fassbender's unique sort of stage sensibilities that kind of make it make it stand out. It's interesting the moments where it does go into like a more on location shooting or like more freewheeling camera work. Um, right. I'm thinking there's one s- shot. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I was thinking about the long tracking shot in the grocery store. Yes. Yeah. That's what I was going to mention. Um, it stood out because I was wondering, like, is this some sort of commentary on uh, uh, modern society, um, like centered around this excess of in, that's apparent in this grocery store? And I, I mean, groceries—it's not like grocery stores were a new thing. I don't think like they'd been around since the 1910s. Yeah, I'm. Yeah, and um, I, I, I don't know. There's so so many of these scenes are um, Bruno, who is played by Oli Lamo, um, and yes. jo- and Johanna just ignoring Franz, who is you know played by Fassbender himself. Um, as isn't his name Peter? No, isn't. Am I wrong on that? I have him down as as Fassbender's character as Peter. Really? No, I I think it's Franz. Uh, watch me be schooled on my very. <laughs> you know, yep, I am. I am totally wrong. How? Where? What in the world? Um, there is a guy named Peter, played by Hans Hirschmuller. I just had. I just had the names confused. <laughs> I thought Peter was the main. Anyway, never mind. I'm cutting all this out. Maybe I'm not. I'm gonna leave. Keep the struggle. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um. Okay. I'm. I'm hopefully not gonna make that mistake again. <laughs> All right, but anyway, continue. But so much of this movie is them kind of bunking off, having an affair, ignoring, you know, this pimp's uh, slash boyfriend's legal troubles. I'd like to point out that bisexual culture is um, thinking that both Johanna and Bruno are incredibly sexy. Yes, and Fassbender, um, obviously, that's the first thing he he points out visually there's a long long shot of <laughs> of of mm. of uh Olilamo just like staring not at the camera but like a little bit off um and he the man number 1 he looks like Glenn Howerton he's like the german glenn howerton from always sunny in philadelphia um and he has resting duck face uh <laughs> <laughs> you're right <laughs> <laughs> I guess I was just more focused on his cheekbones. That oh, jawline. Yeah, yeah. He, like that jawline can cut. <laughs> he's sculpted facially, mm-hmm. uh, which, you know, of course, why he's in the movie. Um, I, and, I'm just, we're talking about this, and I'm just thinking about how, like, bad, how film criticism that's just talking about people's appearances is, like, bad criticism. But it just, <laughs> and I'm just like, uh, but also, he's so hot. <laughs> Yeah, and I and I mean that's that's an important part of this movie because like even though it's never 
explicitly stated Fassbender's character is, is like yearning for him uh mm-hmm. there's this one scene where he you know because Joanne is, intru- is introduced as Franz's girlfriend and then you kind of find out you know not so much explicitly but just through the way they act with each other and the sort of vague way that they talk at each other that he's her pimp um yeah. and he is there's a scene where she's like talking to him about wanting to settle down and have a baby and he's too busy literally stroking his gun um oh yeah <laughs> and and then and then bruno comes in and then that's sort of the orbit of all of their he's sort of the orbit of all of their lives uh for the rest of the film to, right to the point where like franz is you know willing to take the heat on on murder and even murder more people murder a cop for him right um the yeah no the 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 actual plot of this film the various um franz is being is being hunted down essentially and them having to go and kill him first and then they also um trying to rob a bank and all that stuff all of that is presented very very uh starkly very matter of factly um i i hate the word that is thrown around so much when it comes to comic book movies calling them gritty um when like this this is a gritty movie where all the fingerprints are on on everything and it's just very down to earth and grimy um and how i just loved how how there wasn't a ton of flash like the the budget is so obviously very low on this where uh like you don't even see them shoot people they always just slowly raise a gun and then it'll cut away <laughs> yeah and, um, and, and it's and- implied and there's so many points where, like, Fassbender very ironically or, or or kind of with a wink and a nod uh, points this out to the audience. There's a, se- there's a part where they're just, like, walking uh, and talking, and it's literally the same wall shot three times, except that oh, he yes, has yes, the right characters at the beginning of the movie. I found that hilarious. Yeah, walking <laughs> through them. He's like, let's, you know, let's cut this all off. You, we, I know it's fake. You know it's fake. Let's mm-hmm. play with this a bit. Right. Um I I really loved the 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 sunglasses heist scene. Yeah. Um for two reasons. One, um it's an actual believable heist scene where the they each um go up trying to ask the 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 customer help the 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 retail worker there very different questions and interrupting each other and she's getting all distracted and then while they she's distracted they all just um pocket a pair of of sunglasses and then two um and it's going back to breathless and uh john luca dard um very postmodern referencing to cinema where he's like um these glass i want the do you have any of the glasses that the cop wore in psycho um which i was just that i I that was that was a great little moment where it's just like ah yes these characters watch movies and and I think that it's it's cool how that these characters are watching crime movies and where where stuff is much and then it's shown here as just so so bare bones and so not flashy and as opposed to films and I think that that was a a great by putting that in there it offered a great commentary on on crime in cinema yeah and i think especially with the very very last line of love is colder than death where he 
they're like driving away. Bruno has mm. died in the shootout. By the way, do you think was it Fassbinder's character who shot Bruno, or was it one of the cops? I thought it was Fassbinder's character. I yeah. thought it was Franz. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Just making sure that I didn't completely misread that. Um, Right, because there was another assassin who was going to shoot um, Johanna, I'm pretty sure, Mm -hmm. um, because that's what Bruno had hired to do. But then um, Franz shot Bruno, who was confronting the cops. And, there, yeah, just a lot of chaos. And I can totally see someone getting a little confused um, in in that moment. But, right, so they've dumped Bruno's body on the road after driving away and the cops are chasing. So the cops will stop chasing them and go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. The last line of the movie, uh, well, Joanna's like, Oh, it was me who, who tipped off the cops and Fassbender's character just looks over at her, at her and, and he says, whore. Um, that just reminded, mm. reminded me of the ending of breathless, which, you know, sorry that we're spoiling two movies here, but they were released in like the sixties. Very old. Yeah. Um, <laughs> where Jean-Paul Belmondo's character has been shot to death. Um, and, he, you know, the last line that he delivers is, like, he's telling John Seberg's character, you disgust me. Or the thing is, <laughs> the thing about it is, is it's subtle. I love sexist it, men. It, it's subtle. You can interpret it as this world disgusts me, or you can interpret it as you disgust me, and then her response can be interpreted as I... Uh, you know, as a as a sort of linguistic miscommunication because she's American and she doesn't understand, or um, a, a a sort of confusion about you know where they sort of stand romantically. It's it, it it's it's supposed to be like you know you're supposed to enjoy it for its vagueness versus Fassbinder's very brunt blunt yeah 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 <laughs> one line ending or <laughs> yeah. Uh, and and it's hilarious because um, like the frame after he says it, the sound cuts out. Yeah. Um. And and we get the the final shot of the car driving away from the camera. And I just thought that the the abruptness with that was just so <laughs> hilarious and and very. I mean, for me with Breathless, I I I had always just interpreted that he was just being a sexist pig, um, with his with his with his dying breath, um. And I don't, I don't know. Um, men are pigs. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's uh, it's I'm I'm thinking about the the scene with the record player, and it's it's a long shot. It's one of the only shots. There's maybe like ten shots in this film where the camera moves. Um, that I mean, that isn't like in a car locked down, looking out the window as it's driving along the road, mm-hmm. but like where the camera actually like pans or zooms or something like that. Um, and there's a shot where it's a slow, like it looks like it's on one of those dolly tracks, those angled dolly tracks, and it's slowly going around the room as um Johanna strips, um to the to like a record song or whatever, and. I don't know this I'm I'm trying to figure out if 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 Fassbender is commenting on if he's commenting on the male gaze or he's just embellishing in it um with with those moments of the way that Johanna is sexualized by the characters in the film and is sexualized um by the film itself maybe maybe all of the above I I I mean I would not call this a feminist movie 
Um, no. E- even though Fassbender in other films has written I- interesting and complex female characters, um, Johanna is not, I don't know, not one of them. <laughs> no. Uh, there's, yeah, there's 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 not a lot of complexity to this film, period. It's, it's, it's very, very stripped down, straightforward. Yeah. Um, um i i will say though that um there's a scene where johanna's just lying on the floor in i mean it's black and white so i don't know but i took it as she's in these these leather boots she's got these black jeans and then i mean they might be blue i don't know um but they look like black jeans and then the white um top button button down top and she's just lying on the floor and just kind of reveling in in her in her sexuality as it were and i was just like my word i wish i could pull off that look (laughs) i really like that look i wish i could i wish i could pull that off yeah she's just got her cocktail on the floor next to her Mm -hmm. yeah i all the like music all the like needle drops on Mm -hmm. this in this film you know i guess goes along with the sort of shoestring budget of the whole thing uh they sometimes they sound like MIDI, <laughs> like MIDI files of music. Right. Uh, some of this, I, I some of the synths in those tracks, that's what they remind me of. Um, but nothing, like I don't know. Some of it was so close to like what today would be like royalty free stock. Right. Stock right. Music. That's what I was gonna say. Yeah. yeah. It's like it's almost like this guy just went onto the YouTube library of like copyright free, like blank genre music and then just picked the the one of the first three tracks he listened to yeah so um, so it's interesting knowing that like uh you know i some of the other fastbender stuff i've seen he uses like leonard cohen songs he can use you know owned and copyrighted things i'm like good for him <laughs> yeah <laughs> um there uh, the, one thing with the regarding um the the cheapness of it the the audio like the background audio um in the last big shootout scene or whatever where they go to rob the bank the audio of the street with like cars passing by or whatever is looped and i don't know if you picked this up because there is a guy that whistles at one point and that whistle happens like maybe eight times during that scene and i just kept hearing it and i was just like Wait a minute! This audio's loop. <laughs> the same whistling guy is walking by the mic. <laughs> anyway, and that that was just a fun little observation that I had with this film. Um, yeah, it, and it, it's it, it juxtaposed is... against those needle drops, though, is the very dissonant score. Yeah, um, that's almost in the vein of something like a Johnny Greenwood might might write, where it's the the music's kind of all over the place, very very dissonant, very very cacophonous. Yeah, the the track for the supermarket scene in particular mm-hmm. was a little bit grating. Um, it oh, it got to the point just because yeah, yeah, it was just so long. On top of that, that it was like oh. yeah, no, that's that scene was like two or three minutes. <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean, it's just one of the things when watching older films. Average shot length is, I mean, it's it's essentially under like two seconds nowadays that your right. average shot in a in a film and watching this where s- shots will go on painfully long um 
Uh, I'd like to to give a shout out to some of the members of the ensemble cast. Um, the woman on the train uh, towards the beginning of the film that it, it's it's we see her once and then we never see her again. Her name is Katrin Schock. She would be in Gods of the Plague. She would be in The Bitter Tears of Petra von Kant. A lot of other um, Fassbender Fassbender films. Anyway, so that was her. That's going to be her first appearance. Also, um, I who I think gives maybe the best performance in the entire film is the woman working at the coffee shop where the assassination goes down, and her her close up as Bruno decides whether or not he's going to kill her. Um, is is quite good, so I'd like to shout her out. Definitely, uh, a a a good cast is maybe the thing that keeps this from being a complete. I don't know. I mean, an imitation of new wave aesthetics and. Do you do you okay? So I guess I guess that prompts me to ask: Is like, do you think that this is a good film or a bad film? Um, it's definitely my least favorite. Fassbender that I've seen so far is I mean it's just like watching any filmmakers like early work uh right you know you watch like Scorsese's who's that knocking on my door or whatever and you're like okay cool um yeah that, I, I remember watching that and thinking like really yeah that that's not that good <laughs> yeah so this was this was fine um there were obviously like some cool inventive bits um and uh, you know, for having no budget, I feel like they're managing to even draw those moments out is is impressive. And there's like a lot of critics have mentioned, obviously the the blueprint here for what Fassbender's movies would become, uh, you know, but with color, <laughs> uh, which I think helps a lot of his films, to be honest. Is his use of color? Yeah, I mean, I'm thinking more of something like Ali Fury, It's the Soul, where it's like so, so beautiful, um, just the yellows. Um, and I was missing those. I was missing those during this movie for sure. Okay, I mean, I coming in from this as this is my first Fassbender, um, I, I wouldn't say that it's a great film or nothing, but I, but I enjoyed it. I enjoyed. Um, uh, being uh, confronted with a film that is so so stripped down so that it that it's very low budget almost to the point of something that I could make um, and and I felt that I mean it was it's very efficient it tells its story well enough and I think that there's enough subtext in like wh- whether it's like queer subtext or or sub political subtext I think that there's just a, just a, just a, just enough in there to make it worth 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 your time. Um, I mean, I am a, I am a completionist when it comes to directors, so I like to watch everything that they've done, and I'm definitely glad that I've seen this film. Um, and I'm I'm looking forward to getting to the ones that everyone talks to, but I'm also looking forward to just seeing the weird little projects that that he makes. I mean, because I mean, with between forty films not all of them are probably going to be bangers so yeah uh but yeah no, i found this to be a, a fascinating um exercise in minimalism and and I, I i look forward to continuing with this so uh uh what, what what's your quantified vibe check harold oh man one smoldering look out of 
out of one. All right. <laughs> out of just the number one. Yeah. Okay. Um, I'm going to give this um, three repeated shots of the person walking through a, a blank, <laughs> a blank void um, out of one long tracking shot um, of a guy looking for a prostitute in the night. I, I think it's I think it's a, a, a perfectly watchable film that um, wears its influences on its sleeves and hopefully shows where a, a, a unique voice is, is going to come out of. Yeah, um, we're so the cool thing about Fassbender and his friends is um, if you're if you're if you're listening to this, you're a patron at the ten dollar level and um, what, how this is going to work is that you get to vote on what film we watch next. Um, and so there'll be a poll up hopefully on the, the eve of, of this, of this being released. I'm hoping that this will be released tonight, which is Friday. Um, we're wanting to do Fassbender Fridays again. Thank, thank you, Harold, for the alliteration holding me to it. Uh, so there'll be three options of what are, what the next film we review is. Um, the first option will be Gods of the Plague, which is his 1970 film which is just the next film in chronological order. Um, then also um, another pick will be Corel, which is his final film. And so it might be interesting to go from his first film to his last film to see, to juxtapose those against each other. And then the third option will be the film that this podcast is named after, Fox and His Friends, which is uh, a story of queer uh, agony, if I'm, if I'm to be to, if, to, from what I've heard that that's what it is about. Those are your options. Uh, thank you very much for supporting um, supporting for the screen's margins. It means a lot. And, yeah, uh, we know that there's a pull these days when it comes to films to focus only on the big and mainstream stuff. So thank you for spending a little time with us today here on the margins. Good night. Uh-huh.